0: Uh, We've been on this journey of talking about how we can help heal the social fabric around us. We called it the Social Fabric Project. And in a world where there are lots of things that are going wrong, it's very easy to become overwhelmed by that. And to get focused, hyper-focused on things that we cannot change and miss the things that we can change right in front of us. So we want to take three weeks To kind of talk about what that might mean for us as individuals and as a community. Leaning into the relationships that we experience every day. Some of them that are really close, family, friends, people that we love. Maybe our our work relationships to our neighbors, to things that are happening in our city. And here's what we uh, have talked about the last couple weeks. We talked about the quality of our lives and the health of our society are largely dependent upon how we treat one another. Like it seems so basic. And so simple, but the truth is, no healing, no social fabric can begin put it back together if we don't start there. How we treat one another matters greatly, and so we have to take a look at that. And so, um, there was two things that we kind of covered the last couple of weeks. One is that there's two skills that maybe we could have. That's kind of the heart of all this, and the one is the ability to understand one another, to understand people who see things differently than us, or maybe have had different experiences. In life, Like, if we're going to do this well and treat each other better, then we need maybe to have more understanding of one another. And I would say specifically this, perhaps an inkling of what someone else might be going through or what they experience. Seems so basic, right? But if you're like me, life gets going, and often we are frustrated about something. We don't take the time to really go, I wonder what they're experiencing. I wonder what they're going through. And the second thing in this was it's the ability to see someone more deeply. Like seeing other people in some meaningful way um, really, really matters. And I would even argue this, to not see someone in a meaningful way, to see deeper value, even in people who frustrate us or people that make us angry, to not see more deeply has an opposite effect, a negative effect that works against the social fabric that we're talking about. So certainly people who claim To worship and follow the living God in this person of Jesus Christ would be people who perhaps are doing this really, really well. And then we even said to see someone is this. And this is so important. It's actually knowing how you made them feel. Seeing them isn't, I just saw you, you know, but it's actually doing the harder work, the deeper work, going, well, how did I make you feel when I saw you? Did I shame you? (laughs) Did I, you know, did I make you feel judged? I mean, it's like being. Willing to be in the tension of these kinds of relationships to go, honestly, how did I make you feel? That matters to me. That part of seeing another is asking those kinds of deeper questions. And then working out together, I wonder how that changes how I respond or how I react to you. So that's what we've been exploring. Well, today what I want to land on is, once again, you could say these two things of seeing and how to know another person, that's just too simple, George. I do not think so. I actually think these If we will center ourselves in these kinds of things, um, we'll be more healthy and whole. The world around us will be more healthy and whole. And my argument this morning is that's what Jesus teaches us. So here's what I want to jump in today. It's this. It's friendship. And I want to talk about what this word means. I want to show you a text where Jesus introduces this to us. But I also want to talk about the underlining meaning of this everyday word. I don't know about you but for me, often it's not learning something new. It's coming back to something that I thought I knew, and discovering it could be new all over again in a way that really matters. And so that's kind of my uh, my argument in this whole uh, series, these three weeks, of like, let's come back to some of these simple things and see how maybe we could live them out in a way that has greater impact. So here's what I want to read to. you. I want to read to you out of John, uh, chapter 15. These are such beautiful words. And um, I think they help us. I think it help us put this social fabric, work this project that I would argue is not our project, it's God's project. And we can participate with God in uh, healing a lot of this. But here's what uh, Jesus says. John chapter 15, let me see here. Verse, let's start in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. Anything that's going to be healthy to us or to help heal the world around us starts from the center of love. And it's this understanding that there is this deeper kind of love that perhaps I need to experience more of. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be in complete my command is this love each other as I have loved you then he goes on to say greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends you are my friends if you do what I command he just gave us a command earlier what was it that we would love oh my gosh one another let's try it again the command he gave us earlier was that we would love, okay, that I feel better now. I know you're all with me. Um, and then he goes on to say, I no longer call you servants, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I have learned from my Father, I have made known to you. And what he learns from his Father is to remain in his love and to share that love with others and that there's some kind of friendship with God and some kind of friendship that we have with one another and loving each other that really, really matters. I know, very basic, but I'll be honest. I live in the world of these scriptures and theology all the time and I've found nothing more meaningful or powerful and richer than this command, to love one another. He goes on. You did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my Father's name, he will give you. This is my command. Love one another. So much here. Um, I can't cover it all. But what if we just start here? There's like a thread kind of going through this whole thing, and I just want us to focus on that for a moment. The thread here is that there is a threat of friendship, sacrifice, and love. And there's something about how these things weave together, not only in our understanding of what God does for us, but also in our understanding of maybe what we do for each other. Maybe an, a deeper understanding of what we do for the world around us. So these things, you, we can't separate them. We can't have friendship without sacrifice. Um, God somehow makes sacrifices so that he could have friendship with us and we could have friendship with him. Um, We can't ultimately get to love without meaningful sacrifices. Listen, just look at the world you live in the people closest to you. Many of us are parents in here or grandparents or we're uh, spouses. There's sacrifice for love, isn't there? Let's be honest. Sometimes that's not easy. But friendship and sacrifice actually lead to this deeper kind of love that we need. So, I want to talk about just the depth of friendship just for a moment because I think there's other kinds of friendships. There's convenience friendships. How many have relationships just out of convenience? You know, I work with this person, so I don't have to be with them eight hours or 40 hours a week, so I probably should become somewhat of a friend. Or, you know, that's kind of like more like a convenience. Maybe there's a social interest friendship you have with someone, there's something you really like, and so your friends when you're doing that thing that you really like. Um I remember, and this is more junior high and high school-ish, but um when I was a freshman, I had kids that were uh seniors and they were in my neighborhood and they kind of took me under their wing, but I kind of became cool because they were my friends and I really liked it. Like um one of them was uh the star quarterback on the football team and I was just like wow like that is so cool. Like I want to be this guy's friend. But honestly, looking back on it, it, was more of a status thing, until I started watching how he treated people, and all of a sudden, I'm like, oh, man, like, maybe I'll be treated like that one day, and so, yeah, we have all these different webs of different kinds of friendships that we have. What I'm talking about today is something deeper, and I, I, let me, maybe I could say it like this. It's, um, it's what I feel with Debbie when something good happens in my life, and other friends, people that I love deeply, something good will happen in my life, and and you want to celebrate it, but the the thing is, it's not you don't really experience the fullness of it till you share it with the other person. You have that kind of experience, like, man, this is so great, but actually, when I get to tell this to this person that means I have a deeper friendship with, like, it's going to be even so much better. Or how about this? When you have a bad experience, it's that person that you just can't wait to get to because you know they're going to help soften the blow in some way. Those are the kinds of friendships that. We all hope for and long for. And I, my prayer is that we all have them. Our prayer is that we're all becoming those kinds of friends to, to other people. What I'm trying to get at here is what, is what is Jesus talking about when he talks about friendship with God? Well, I think the best way we can know it, at least the best way I've been able to understand and know it, is to experience it through other people. How many of you have had some moment in life where you were loved and you didn't feel like you deserved it? And someone showed up and it's like, wow, I didn't think they were going to care that much. Or they were, I thought maybe they were going to run for me. Um, those, th- those kinds of things have a profound impact upon my life. Not only do they connect me with another and go, wow, that was so beautiful, but there's something in that that I have a sense of like, God, your divine love was present in that in some beautiful way. These are the kinds of friendships that I'm, I'm trying to get at here. So, and. Here's what I think makes Jesus so compelling and so trustworthy. You want to understand what it looks like to be a friend? Read these Gospels. Look how he interacts with people. People that often the religious leaders are judging and condemning and and trying to move further away from. He has this way of seeing them and valuing them in some beautiful way that makes all the difference in what's happening in this first century world. But here's what I think makes it so compelling. And this is why I follow Jesus, and I hope why many of us in here follow Jesus, is that he has, it's, it's like this um, utter fidelity with character of what it means to love another human being. And when you see that played out in the Gospels, and then you experience a little bit of that in life through another human being that's following Jesus or loves in that way, um, you're like, wow, there's nothing more beautiful are good that we could possibly grow and develop in. So Jesus shows us friendship in a way that's absolute, utter integrity of what it looks like to be a true friend. Um, Here's something I just want to challenge us on. Um, When we seek involvement sometimes, and this has been my history with Christian circles and maybe other faith circles too, is that when we think about what it means to be a friend, in some ways we um, we want to connect without involvement. Like, I don't know if any of you have ever had these experiences, but have you ever seen someone be shunned because of someone's religious convictions? Like, shut out. Like, I remember um, when I was a young pastor, one of the big things was divorce. And I remember there's a guy in our church that he was going through a divorce, and I had another person tell me, oh, yeah, you, you, you can't have a relationship with him anymore because he's in difference with the church. I'm like, what? Like he's, he's going through something. Maybe someone should try to understand what this guy is going. Maybe there's a good reason for this. Maybe you know. But there was automatically, well, what if you were to see him on the streets? Well, you, yeah, ignore him because he needs to be shunned because of... Now, you could take that and put it into many different categories. You guys, can I say something? There is none of that in Jesus' character in these Gospels. Anywhere. He shuns no one. If he shuns anyone, he's shunning people who are shunning people. <laughs> that might be the only place that you would see it. But no, like um, that does not help. And so what we could tend to do is we want to help in some way or connect that we don't want to be involved because we think in some way that corrupts us. Just don't see it in Jesus' teaching. And I actually think that's why it's his life that we should trust to be an example of what we might become. So, um, oh, there was a a second century uh, theologian, his name was Origen, and he said the first fruits of the gospel are friendship. Like, the first thing that you should see of gospel, the good news that we're bringing to the world, if it's really good, the first fruit of that is friendship with the world and friendship with others. Now listen, what I'm not saying, you don't have to agree with everybody, but there has to be this level of engagement with them that our presence in their life, that they would feel valued and loved. Another thing that... uh, Happened to me as a young pastor. We would have. Um, I started getting into uh, marriage prep and meeting with couples who wanted to get married, and I was told this as a young pastor: "Oh, if someone's living together, you you can't you can't meet with them." And so I kind of followed that for a while, you know. And here's what here's what just what I picked up. And you you guys tell me if this is just stupid, but. Um, I started picking up whenever I would tell people, oh, I can't meet with you anymore, they wouldn't meet with me anymore. (laughs) Because I was the source of that. And then I would wonder why they didn't want to meet with me. I'm going, wait a minute, didn't you just tell them that until they changed something? And then I remember at some point it was like, George, what are you doing? Like, the least you could do is join someone on the journey. You don't have to agree with everything they're doing, but join them and try to be a loving solution and helpful. Maybe if you stayed in a relationship and got more involved with them, maybe you could show them there's a better way to love and a better way to be committed. And I remember how risky that was. It was like you were going against you know, the norm as a pastor to go, well, I'm actually going to meet with people who are living together because I want to help. And what I discovered is that m- people sometimes were shocked, like, oh my gosh, there's a different way to love and be intimate? Like we didn't even know that. like there's a more beautiful way. and like being committed and fidelity, like these things actually do matter to us. We just didn't know there was a more beautiful way to see it. So my point is this: is that if we're unwilling to move toward people, then I just don't know how we could be helpful. So um, here's what I'm asking you to do. Is there some relationship in, you, uh, in your life that maybe you can lean in a little more and be a little more involved? And not be so concerned about being the solution, but being a witness to their life. And having the opportunity to maybe walk with them and guide them towards something more beautiful. You guys, that's what Jesus did. And um, if you disagree with that, please come have a coffee with me. I'll read through these scriptures with you. But I just see it over and over, page after page after page of these gospels. The good news is this. It's the first fruit of friendship. Friendship. That's what Jesus does best, and I think we can do that well too. All right, last thing. Um, In some ways, I think we undervalue and underestimate the power of friendship in our lives, in our hearts, in our world. And I think Jesus is inviting us back to this. If we truly are friends of God, then being friends with God and friends with the world around us might be the most powerful gift that we can bring to the world. And so uh, and I actually think it's the most underestimated aspect of spiritual growth. Lots of people want to read the scriptures and read the Bible and do this and do that. How about if we don't, and I'm all for that, let's go do that. But if we're not becoming more powerful friends to the world and, and, and understanding our relationship with God as being a deeper friendship that in some way bears the fruit of that in the world around us and in our lives? What is the fruit? The fruit is this. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, uh, self-control, gentleness. It's, it's these kinds of things that our lives can grow more deeply in that I think make all... So let's not underestimate this, please. So here, what it is. There is profound healing properties and possibilities in friendship. And it's good for us to come back to that in some meaningful way. And um, I have a a counselor friends in here, um, and I have many counseling friends. And uh, I'll say this. There's a difference between soul wounds and psychological wounds. Soul wounds, because we all at times need therapy and we need counseling and things to help us get unstuck. Things that we need psychological guidance on. But can I tell you what friendship does? Friendship helps the world heal from soul wounds. And we have those too. And I'll tell you this, when I was a pastor, the people came and talked to, like that was my job. If you had anything going on in your life, call the church and you got George. And I was the guy calling you back. And what I found is that 80, 90%, 80, 90%, there were people that therapy was going to help, but 80, 90% of those people just did not have a friend. They did not have a soul friend in their life that was witnessing to the struggle or the joy. And what I found myself doing, because I would always prep people, hey, you know I'm not a counselor. I love to listen, and I love to pray with people. So, but, uh, and then what I would discover is just listening to someone, and, them sh- and I would go, who have you shared this with? No one. Like spouse, friend, family member? No like, you're the first person I shared this with. So here's what I don't want to say. I don't want to say that all of our problems can be healed um, outside of therapy and counselors. Marianne's a counselor here. She's a wonderful one. And I deeply respect the work that she's doing. But she would agree with this, too. There are soul wounds that friendship and us taking that more seriously and opening our lives to allowing other people in to be these kinds of friends and sharing this kind of friendship with the world, they could help in a tremendous way. So let's not uh, look down on that. I believe the remedy for healing this social fabric in our hearts, in this community right here among us, in the community of Bellevue, in our city of Nashville, and in the world, it actually does come down to this. This remedy is powerful and effective. And I think we should trust it more deeply. Um, Proverbs says this, and I love this. A sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Proverbs, that's Proverbs 27, 9. But think about that. Think about someone that showed up as a friend in your life and how it refreshed you in some meaningful way. Okay, now we get to practice this. Um, So I'm going to invite Nick to come up. What we're about to do here is this ancient practice of taking bread And a cup. And Jesus did this with his first followers, who he called his friends. We just read it right here. He said, you're my friends. And maybe the most powerful thing I could share with you is friendship. And one of the ways that I'm going to do this with you is to have a meal with you. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to remember this friendship because you have no idea what I'm about to go through. You have no idea the kind of sacrifice that love and friendship needs to make to heal the world, by the way. I follow Jesus because I don't know how the world heals apart from someone going, you know what, I'm not going to go the violence route. I'm going to surrender. I'm going to show you what love looks like. And this is how the world is going to heal. It's not going to be healed in an instant, but it's going to heal when people awaken to the fact that violence just begets more violence. And at some point, you have to go, it stops here. That's what love looks like. And I think Jesus models that for the big cosmic You know, uh, geopolitical issues that we have in the world and all the wars going on, but I actually think it's true for us here in the part of our world that we need to heal. Maybe there's something we just need to lay down and a sacrifice that we need to make for love and for friendship. So um, when you come this morning, um, there's, and by the way, I love it that it's people within our community that are serving this to you because what we're saying is we're friends. We're all in this together. That's what we were just singing. And we do not have an experience of God, um, much outside of that. And how do I know that? Because that's what Jesus does. Why is it important? Because Jesus says, continue to do this. Because you'll experience God through that. You'll experience my love and my friendship through that. Um, I'm going to put up on the screen here, uh, for me, sometimes poets help. And one of my favorite poets is David White, and he wrote this poet on friendship. I'm going to post it on our social media this week. But when I think about these words of Jesus and what it means to be friends with God, this poem says it in a way like I've never heard. I'll share this with people that I know my uh, friendship is going to deepen with and go, hey, what do you think about this? Can we be these kinds of friends? And I find that it, it becomes a guide. But here's what I'm going to do. Um, we're just going to let that scroll For just a few minutes, and then uh, I'm gonna come back and serve the people that are serving back here. And then you guys will get up and you'll come and you sit back in your seats. But I just want you to reflect on this essay and maybe find one place of friendship in this. Maybe you need that kind of friendship from God in some way. But here's the beautiful thing about this Eucharist we receive something, but we also are nourished to give something to. So, how about this? Whatever it is you need to receive, might you find a way to share that with the world around you? One last thing. Um, the bread is gluten-free, nut-free, dairy-free, taste-free, of course. But even more than that, it is filled with love and friendship of what we're talking about. And here's just what I want you to know. You don't have to understand it fully, but know this. Just the humility to come and receive it, it has a way of getting on our insides And changing us and changing the world around us i just want to read through this together and then um nick and the band are going to help us just sing a phrase together to help us but here, here it is just let this wash over your heart as you go today friendship not only helps us see ourselves through another's eyes but can be sustained over the years only with someone who has repeatedly forgiven us for our trespasses as we must find it in ourselves to forgive them in turn. A friend knows our difficulties and shadows and remains in sight, a companion to our vulnerabilities more than our triumphs, even when we are under the strange illusion that we don't need them. Real friendship is a blessing exactly because its elemental form is rediscovered again and again through understanding and mercy. All friendships of any length are based on a continued mutual forgiveness. Without tolerance and mercy, all friendships die. The ultimate touchstone of friendship is witness, the privilege of having been seen by someone and the equal privilege of being granted the sight of the essence of another, to have walked with them and to have believed in them and sometimes just to have, just to have com- accompanied them on a journey impossible to accomplish alone. A close friendship will always reveal the shadow in the other as much as ourselves. To remain friends, we must know the other in their difficulties and encourage the best in them, not through critique, but through addressing the better part of them, thus subtly discouraging what makes them smaller, less generous, and less of themselves. Through the eyes of a real friendship, An individual is larger than their everyday actions. And through the eyes of another, we receive a greater sense of our own personhood. One we can inspire to, the one in whom they have most faith in. That's our prayer. Let's say amen to that. What do you guys say? Can we sing a line of amen and make this so be it?